0: Hello, people of the internet. This is on Tour, And her editor, Katie Griffin. And today we're going to answer some of the niggling little questions that keep you up at night.
1: All right, so today's question is, again, about the writing process, but coming at it from a different angle. How did the publication of your first book, in this case, which would have been John 10, change your writing process.
0: Well, in the beginning, you know, when I was still working on John 10, I didn't have a set schedule. I didn't try to write X amounts, you know, per week, and I didn't try to really work on it. I just worked on it whenever I was in the mood to. And that made perfect sense because you know, I wasn't a professional at that point. And I was still going to college full-time and working part-time. And I didn't have a lot of spare time. So there were days where I would write 20 pages. And then there are other weeks where I wouldn't touch it at all. And I would get distracted by other stories and such. Um, And then after John 10 was published, I was like, oh, people like this. This makes me money. I should probably spend more time actually trying to work on books. That might be helpful.
1: How long did it take for your schedule to really get set in stone? Like, at what point did you start solely focusing on writing?
0: That took about three months after the publication of John 10. I published it September, and I graduated from college in December. So it wasn't until I actually uh, moved back to Tennessee, because I was in Utah for school, That I really focused on
1: just writing. I didn't do anything else but that. So would you say you'd gone full time at that point?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, In fact, it was a little bit more than full time. Because yes, if you're starting any venture from the ground up, which is basically what I was doing. You can't just spend 40 hours a week on it and say, okay, I'm good. I was spending more like 60 hour weeks on it in the beginning. Because I had to juggle so many hats. Unfortunately, it didn't stay that way. After uh, several different months, I would made enough connections and met enough people and outsourced enough to where I wasn't
1: spending 60 hour weeks anymore. How about the actual writing process itself? What changed in the process? What changed in your mentality of how to write a book? Well, part of that changed because I had a dedicated editor
0: after book one, the most lovely Katie Griffin. And for people that don't know the story, let me backtrack and explain. Uh, Katie and I actually met in college. We went to the same college and we have a very similar degree. Uh, we both majored in English, but she minored in writing, I believe, and I minored in art. So she always wanted to be an editor. That was her goal. Well, I didn't think of that when I was writing and proofing John 10 and it wasn't until the book was out that she called me and I believe she was in Japan at the time. No, Korea. She was in Korea at the time and she called me and said, what were you thinking? You have an editor. Why did you not let me edit this? I'm like, I'm in trouble. Oops. So after John 10, I had a dedicated editor, which helped because I didn't always think of all the different things that she was thinking of. I didn't think about descriptions as much. I didn't think about keeping up the tension in the book. I was just writing whatever came to my mind. So because I had someone I could always soundboard off of, I could always send something to her or just call her up and say, is this a good idea? Um, Because some of my ideas, occasionally, very occasionally, can be cliche. Just throwing that out there.
1: Only sometimes.
0: Sometimes. We're not going to talk about the the weird dreams that I sometimes try to write down. We're not going to talk about those. Please don't. Okay. So yeah, after the the publication of the first book, I had better help, basically. And that's why my writing style changed a little bit. Because it wasn't as haphazard. Um, I actually tried to write down outlines that kind of help. Kind of. Um, I spent more time considering characterization. I spent more time trying to think of um, how to add variance to the characters instead of just having all naturally healthy people I started putting people in that weren't perfect that had obvious physical flaws and that kind of thing because I wanted more realism in the book
1: so Advent the Advent series was really a learning experience for both of us Um, fans hopefully you never noticed this but when I first got a hold of Magus and Um, Advents, especially, I was reading through and going, where did the horses go? Because one scene, they'd be riding the horses, and then there'd be no mention whatsoever of taking care of the horses, of where the horses were staying, of them getting back on the horses. They would just be magically riding the things.
0: I remember that. Um, At one point, she gave me back... The book and in the comments on one side it got to the point where she just had in all caps with like six different exclamation marks horses i'm like i must have forgotten the horses again (laughs) the
1: the other big issue we had in the advent series was the seasons keeping track of what season they were in and it actually really wasn't until i went back last year two years ago and reproofed it again that we had a definitive timeline of events and what the seasons should have been, what the weather should have been like. So that was, that was a real learning experience in keeping track of details. The, the other learning experience with the Advent series was having the characters sound different from each other because they all sounded the same. They all talked the same. So, for the next book, out of the Advent series, it was like, okay, write a different sounding character. Let's add in dialects and different speech patterns. And so, my goal was, was with every new book, every new series, to push her into learning something different, into focusing on something different. Yeah, and... It definitely was a learning curve on my part, too, because poor Katie, uh,
0: I write like a jigsaw puzzle. I, I don't really do it well with outlines. So I just write scenes as they come to me, which is why she has all these different timeline issues to deal with and why I'm in April one chapter. I'm in August and another. So, I mean, that was part of it, too. Uh, but you know, after she started kind of nudging me going, hey, dialects, hey, you know, they should have key phrases they like to use. I started paying more attention to dialogue at that point and went, oh, yeah, she's right. We don't talk like each other. Nobody does that. So I started adding in variants at that point. But the thing that really threw me for a loop after I'd kind of gotten settled into this pattern was audiobooks. Audiobooks made me question every single word I put on the page because some part of my brain would start looking at the words going, do I actually know how to pronounce that? Do I actually know how to say that? Because at some point, whoever my narrator was, they would come back to me and say, how do you pronounce that? And I didn't always know. Sometimes I had to Google it. Or if it was a a word that I had made up, or if it was a, a name that I had made up, I would have to sit there going, um, you know, that's a really good question. Let me see. How would you pronounce that? And I discovered that I can't write A pronunciation guide to save my life. I've tried that twice. So my best course of action would be just to plug in a microphone into the computer, and I recorded my own voice saying these words so that the narrator had an idea of exactly how to pronounce them.
1: Yeah, I actually narrated the Arrows of Change audiobook, and it definitely makes you think about what you are reading. So as I'm editing, I don't have as much of a problem or think about it as much as she does when it comes to, well, how would this word sound in the audiobook? But to me as an editor, I'm making sure how does this sound as a whole? How does it sound for the reader? Which would then also translate into how well the narrator would be able to read it. And two, sometimes I have to go, what kind of an accent is
0: this based off of? And that's always been the trickiest one, uh, especially with Deepwoods when I had so many different types of accents in there. My narrator came back to me at one point and said, so what what kind of accent does Wolf and Rune have? I'm like, Slavic. He goes, can you narrow that down? I'm like, uh-huh. Can you give me a minute? <laughs> Because that was the only idea I had in my head when those two first showed up was Slavic. So we eventually narrowed it down to Russian, which I, I had an interesting time with because my brother often would go into a Russian accent just to mess with us. And I was afraid I wouldn't be able to take Wolf or Arun seriously with a Russian accent. But fortunately, my narrator was good enough to where I didn't feel like busting out laughing when they were talking. But yeah, it... It was one of those cases where audiobooks also created a whole different train of thought for me.
1: What would you say one of the hardest pushes I gave you was in those early years?
0: Torturing my characters.
1: I do so love to torture them.
0: Like seriously, it's bad. We will have conversations where we have a book called the body trauma book, okay? This whole book is the list of injuries, what uh you know, disabilities come from it how you would treat it how long it takes for the you know injury to heal it, that's all it is it's just a list of injuries with all this information to it and we will sit there with the book going how badly can we hurt this character to where they can still function and still will they do what they need to in the next scene and she's always pushing me to be meaner to them and i'm like no i like him i don't want to hurt him so it's a real tug of war
1: Guys, you have no idea how proud of her I am. She has grown so much from the Advent series. Because when I first started working with her, it's, well, I can't kill anybody. Even even the bad guys. I can't kill them. And now it's like, kill them all! Yeah, we kind of have gone to the opposite spectrum on that. (laughs) Well, it's reality. When you're in a war situation, you're not going to get away with no deaths whatsoever.
0: Yeah, it's very true. Uh, I was able to kind of magic solutions in the Advent series, but you can't really do that with the the rest of the series I've written. So, but yeah, that that was probably the last big push that I had was okay. I'm actually okay now with hurting my characters. I'll make them all better in the end.
1: I mean, you have to show them coming through, but we don't go through life without
0: pain. That's very true, and actually, that's how I I convinced her to let me start a whole new series. Uh, with the human familiar, um, I told her, I said, I'm going to hurt the main character very, very badly. And she cheered. Seriously, she cheered and bounced up on her toes like a cheerleader. Yay! Kind of thing.
1: I did. It was glorious. Yeah.
0: So that is how uh, you guys know that Katie is still my editors because characters are badly hurt.
1: You mean they're realistic.
0: Yes. Like I said, badly hurt um i think that is it for this session if you guys have any questions or anything that you're curious about feel free to drop us a line on facebook and this has been honor raconteur and katie griffin wishing you a very good day